Welcome to Be Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, it's uh, a start of a new week, and it's March, it's spring, and that means it is officially now National Weather Podcast Month. Welcome. Uh, we're super excited to be a part of this. And Bonnie, we're officially the first podcast to kick it off. So welcome, everybody, to National Weather Podcast Month. Yay. Right. Uh, so going forward this month, we'll be talking about the five other podcasts involved in the show. And as part of the initiative here with National Weather Podcast Month, we are airing messages from James Spann from the Weather Brains podcast. Hi, this is James Spann with Weather Brains, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which include tornadoes, lightning, flooding, and thunderstorms. No matter what type of severe weather you may experience, it is important to have a plan in place so you can communicate with all your family and friends in the event of a disaster. Know who you would contact for updates. Also, determine ahead of time where you and your family can meet. Do you know the difference between a tornado watch and a tornado warning? During a tornado watch, pay close attention to the weather and be ready to act. When a tornado warning is issued, seek shelter immediately by moving to an interior room on the lowest floor of a sturdy building. If in a mobile home, vehicle, or outdoors, move to the closest substantial shelter and protect yourself from flying debris. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. Thanks, James. We're joining the Carolina Weather Group, Ice Station Houseman, Stormfront Freaks, Weather Brains, and Weather Hype. These are the six podcasts plus ours, B Squared, uh, that make up National Weather Podcast Month. You can check out more about each of our shows on weatherpodcastmonth.com or search the hashtag NWPM on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you can find out more about our collective shows and our overall mission. But, Bonnie, um, you know what? It couldn't come at a better time because it is technically March, which means meteorological spring. A lot of us are still locked in winter, but uh-huh. as we saw yesterday, we got into severe weather, and we will get into that in just a second. But your Christmas gift finally arrived. Yes. Merry Christmas. Thank you. I love it. So I, I got Bonnie a handheld anemometer from Sims, or which is now Maximum Weather, Inc. Um, and if you go to the movie Twister... In about seven minutes in, when Bill reunites with his storm-chasing buddies, he taps Joey on the shoulder, and Joey's like standing on the front of his truck holding a black handheld anemometer, and that's exactly what Bonnie got. And I love it. And it's got a little holster, and it's amazing, and I'm ready for some decent wind, and I'm going to stand in my backyard and hold it and see what's going down. Right. Take it with you. Go chasing. It's, you know, yes. it's epic. It's funny. If you notice on the side of it, because I also, I think I had the same model as you do, there's a little metal port. And mm-hmm. so I was reading up on it, and they can plug that into a data logger. I can't seem to find one of those data loggers. So I've asked my buddy that gets all these old school instruments. And by the way, your anemometer is brand new. So enjoy the fact that you have a brand new, never used before handheld anemometer. Yours is very rare. So that's pretty awesome. 
I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> well, I, I love it and I super appreciate it. And this is my first like real instrument. I mean, I have a Galileo thermometer, but sure. I mean, you know, but this is my first like instrument instrument. So I'm, I'm ecstatic and I've got it sitting out on my coffee table right now. So anybody who comes over, I'm like, yeah, look at my anemometer. And everyone who comes over is like, why are you excited about this? And I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> you got to yeah. be a weather geek to right. understand. Exactly. You see how, fa- how strong your lungs are. That's always fun. That's a fun trick to do too. I've been doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, I think the strongest wind I've measured on mine is 71 miles an hour. Wow. And I did that up at Crown Point, up in the Gorge. Um, and we've talked a lot on the show lately about this these outflow events that we get out here in the Columbia River Gorge. So I got one of those uh, events, went up there for it, and it was really fun. So if you can best 71 miles an hour, it's a challenge to you. I do hope you beat it, but just make sure you do it safely. Okay. Well, this is Oklahoma, so... <laughs> So chances are you'll be able to, you'll, you know, we'll just wait for the next cold front to come through and you'll, you'll top that. I, I understand. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, again, Merry Christmas. Sorry. It took so long to get there. Uh, my weather supplier, my weather instrument supplier had to scour the country for it. So uh, I'm just glad we were able to finally get it in and I was able to ship it off to you. So again, Bonnie, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. I've got gifts coming for you too. So don't even worry about it. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we celebrated my birthday yesterday. Um, actually, sorry, two days ago. Today's Monday. Uh, my birthday was on Saturday. My entire family went on vacation, and uh, I didn't go because I had to work. So I got to celebrate my birthday by myself, which is okay. Uh, I don't mind. It was actually kind of quiet and nice. So, yay. Well, also, happy birthday. Thank you. Which I, I told you, happy birthday yes, on your birthday. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, and I really appreciate that. So. Well, exactly right. I mean, you need to feel the love sometimes. Hey, when it's your birthday, it's really it's the whole month is your birthday. So that is I'm true. Like... That is true. I I take a I take a weekend. Um, I know a lot of females in my life like to celebrate, like you just said, a whole month, and that's fine. You celebrate your birthday as long and as short as you want. So exactly. But it just it was a it was a great birthday, and you know I'm. I'm really glad that, you know, one, you wish me happy birthday and all my friends did, but it was just, it was a really good time to see my family before they left on vacation and then just hang out with friends all weekend. So, uh, now that we've gotten that, let's hop into kind of the news of the day and stuff that happened yesterday. Um, there was a deadly tornado outbreak in the Southern States, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Um, and even up through yesterday afternoon, uh, we were kind of, you know, holding our breaths. It looked like we were maybe going to get through this without any fatalities. And then we now had an EF4 tornado move through uh, Beauregard, Alabama, uh, down in Lee County. And Bonnie, at last check, I've now been able to confirm 23 uh, people have de- been deceased. And uh, it's the first EF4 since 2017 that hit Texas in April. And so, uh, yeah, it's a deadly tornado outbreak. Um, several dozen tornadoes reported, uh, across the three state area. They're still waiting to see if this tornado, this EF4 actually crossed, uh, state lines from Alabama into Georgia. Uh, and the national weather service has survey teams out looking at that, but, um, you know, our first real big tornado outbreak of the year. And, uh, man, it just, it's sad to hear that 23 people lost their lives. When I was reading that, I was like, 23. I was like, that is like an incredible number right. because it's just, I mean, that's more than the fatalities in 2013 for us. Right. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's and you bring up that point. It's the deadliest day in tornado since 2013. And 
exactly in your backyard of Moore, Oklahoma. Yeah. Which, I mean, and that was an EF5, and that was, you know, not at all to downplay what happened in Alabama, but it's just for a stronger, more violent tornado to not take as many lives. And I don't know if it was taking everybody by surprise, and that's what happened, or if people don't have proper shelters, or if it was just too strong. I don't know. But 23 is just, like, I had to reread that on Twitter, because I was like, 23, wow. Right, and, you know, yesterday's weather coverage, I tweeted out that, you know, the team at the Weather Channel did such a great job, and I watched a lot of Mike Bettis' coverage. Um, And it, you know, for those of us that work in TV and work in radio and the media, he put on a clinic of how to properly do storm coverage, especially from the meteorology side. And so um, I commend Mike and the Weather Channel for providing great coverage, and I guarantee that they save lives because they were on top of it from start to finish and they were looking at every warning and breaking down everything involved with it. And so it was just, uh, it was really good TV, but man, 23 is 23 too many. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. You, and some of those pictures of the damage, I don't know if you've seen any of yeah. those, but it just, it's crazy. And I mean, props to everyone who did coverage. I don't know if James Spann did any coverage of I'm that. Sure I don't did. know if that's in his area or not. But, I mean, I know that Alabama and Georgia has good good weather teams as well covering it. So, you know, props to all of them for keeping everybody safe. And, you know, screw everybody who had problems with program interruptions. Right. And, I mean, mention that quickly. I mean, we kind of we, we joked about it a little bit. And, you know, people kind of make light of it. But, you know, you saw on Twitter especially that people were complaining that, you know, TV stations were interrupting programming. Yeah. And if and I get it. Important golf tournaments, whatever, blah, blah, blah. 23 lives lost. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so if there was no interruption, then I wonder how many people would not, you know, how much more that exactly. death toll would have been. Exactly. So because everyone was sitting around watching that golf tournament, they weren't paying attention to the weather. So if nobody broke in to tell them, then no one would have known. So exactly. I mean, yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to go into the specifics of, you know, when you decide to break into coverage or not, because I mean, I've, I've had to be, I've had to be the one to make that call on the radio side. And, you know, when I worked in TV weather, uh, you know, part of the coverage, do you decide to go and break into coverage? And listen, I've been on the receiving end at a TV station of people calling to complain about the fact that they're missing something on TV that they want to watch. And again, I get it. Not everybody wants to pay attention to the weather. Not everybody wants to pay attention to news. But it's part of the whole process that we've, you know, we're talking about. And it falls right in line to what, you know, our mission is here with National Weather Podcast Month. We're trying to build a weather-ready nation. I'm not saying don't watch golf because, listen, you're going to find me most weekends watching golf. It's just what I do. I love the sport. I love a lot of the golfers and the athletes that are taking place. And I want to see them compete and play. But I also know that, you know what, if I get interrupted for storm coverage, there's probably a good reason for it. Exactly. Exactly. They're not interrupting because it's sprinkling. They're interrupting because there's an EF4 on the ground. So, I mean, it's a pretty decent, I mean, here they interrupt programming for winter weather and they will cover it for however long they need to, to keep, you know, let people know what road conditions are across our whole coverage area that our new stations cover. And I mean, I think that's good. No, I and, yeah. I mean, out, out here in Portland is the same thing. We are, you know, we get to, you know, break into coverage for snow. And, you know, we'll talk about that here in a little bit when we get into, you know, recapping this week's weather that I had out here. But when you have to make a decision as a news director or a news producer 
to break into coverage, you are weighing the risk versus benefit. Yes, in the long term, chances are your ratings will be a little bit higher because people want to tune in. It's like the car accident on the freeway. We all slow down to look. We shouldn't, but we do. And anytime yeah. that there is weather or, you know, a reason to break into programming. Listen, you got to remember, advertisers are paying big bucks to sponsor golf tournaments. They want yeah. as many eyes on their broadcast as possible. So, again, there's that risk, you know, reward benefit for news departments. But with that said, you know, they also understand that if you're in a breaking news coverage, chances are people are watching, too. So, again, yeah. it's keeping people safe. It's part of your broadcast license. You are there to provide a public service. So, I, again, I'm sorry that you're missing your golf tournament. It was very exciting. It came down to the last hole and the last putt. And, you know, the guy uh, that's from Team Nike won. And, hey, good for him. It's his first tournament win. Great. But, I'm sorry, 23 lives were lost yesterday. And that's 23 too many, as I just said. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, for those... You know, few people who are irritated about it, you know, get over it. When it's in your backyard, you'll want coverage. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when it's in your backyard, you better want coverage or you're going to be one of those people that unfortunately loses their lives because you weren't paying attention. Exactly. So, so you know, and again, there's um, an interesting map that I saw yesterday. And again, I saw it this morning where they're talking about kind of the, just the demographic of most of the housing units that were in, you know, Lee County and most of them were mobile homes. And we know that mobile homes by far are the worst place besides being out in the open air to be with a tornado on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, you know, they're going to have to go back in and once the NWS survey teams are done, we'll get a better idea of what type of structures most of these people were in. But um, Tim Marshall, who's a guy that you and I know and we follow on social media, he is, you know, a tornado chaser, a storm chaser, but he's the civic engineer guy who wants to help, you know, create safer homes, safer buildings, you know, storm shells, all this stuff. He posted a photo on Twitter today of somebody that lives in a mobile home that has a storm shelter literally out their front door. It opens a hatch and there's a ladder down into a concrete, uh, basically a concrete structure that's underground. And, I, and I, exactly. And the first thing I saw was like, that is absolutely genius absolute genius every mobile home should have one yeah and yeah. i mean i mean just literally you're out your front door you open a hatch down the ladder boom you're safe if your home goes it goes but you are alive exactly and the issue is is because there's all that space under a mobile home yeah and that's why it's dangerous because then that air can get under and lift it and flip it and that's why it's dangerous to be in your car yep. it's the space under it and that's the problem so I mean, to have a structure or a place you can go right outside your mobile home, that's really good. You're probably still going to lose your mobile home, but you will still be alive. Yep. So, Yep. And, and again, and I know I've said this, you've said it, we saw it yesterday on TV, a home and a car and possessions can be replaced. Exactly. A human life cannot. Exactly. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, at least people are starting to realize this and, you know, Tim's tweet, uh, I, you know, I'm gonna have to go back and retweet it if I didn't already, but it's just an ingenious idea. If you have a mobile home, spend the extra, like, I don't know, maybe $600 to have them put this in and literally you already having cement steps laid for your mobile home. Why not have it dig down, you know, underground and create your own storm, your own storm shelter because yeah. you never know it could save your life. Exactly. Exactly. So. Because leaving your mobile home is the same thing. You're in your car. So it's like, really, you need to have something unless you leave with enough time. But like, exactly. so you really need something right outside that you can just go get in real quick. 
Exactly. And I mean, and that goes for everybody. I mean, if you have a, a storm shelter in your house, great. If you don't get one outside, you know, one that you can get to quickly because it will save your life. Yep. And that's the most important thing. So again, you know, just a, a really bad tornado outbreak, one of the biggest in U.S. history. The death toll is up there and it will probably, unfortunately, go a little bit higher. I know yeah. they're still looking for people, but man, it's... It, you know, I know that you and I have talked about us looking ready for storm season, and we are, but this is not the way we want to start it this year. Right. And, I mean, it, it, spring came in with a boom. I mean, it's here we go. Here's kickoff, you know. So, I mean, exactly. hopefully this opens everyone's eyes across the country to be like, okay, we need to be paying attention now in the coming months. So. Right. And, you know, thankfully, you know, the folks in Alabama and Georgia and Florida have a couple days to kind of, you know, you know, clean things up and start the rebuilding process. But Bonnie, this weekend looks like round number two, where you have, you know, we'll talk about it, especially with you, cold air coming down out of Canada. You're going to have the southerly influence out of the Gulf. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, here comes the next low. I'm going to get it uh, Wednesday. And then it starts to traverse the country. And then by late, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, again, the, the south is under the gun again. Jeez. Well, hopefully you know, they're even more prepared and, right. you know, ready to go this time. And I mean, unfortunately that's how it is this time of year is it, it, a lot of times it's back to back to back because it's just cold front after cold front coming through. And that's, that's just how it goes, you know? Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's what happened yesterday. Bonnie, what did you guys do weather wise this past week? I know that you guys were flirting with snow, continued cold air. What happened around Oklahoma city? Uh, it has been cold pretty much this whole last week. Um, we had a pretty significant stretch of light freezing drizzle. Uh, I can't remember how many hours, but it was more than a day of pretty steady freezing drizzle. Um, and the thing is, it didn't cause a lot of issues. It, there was one morning where it did cause some wrecks on highways, but as far as down trees, power lines, no, nothing. So it was just, it was a very weird period of freezing rain. Um, today we've got record cold. Um, it kind of started last night. We've had wind chills in the negatives um, from zero to negative 10. High was like around 20. Um, so we are still in a deep freeze and I'm just really over it. All right. I don't blame you. You know, uh, we talked about last week, you know, I was kind of complaining about riding models. And, yeah. you know, I was bummed because when we taped on Sunday, I was under a winter, you know, weather advisory. Why just a couple miles to my south, we were under a winter storm warning. Well, lo and behold, we actually got snow here in Portland. Yay. But yeah, I know I was I was super excited. I did a bunch of Facebook lives and it was just great. And we ended up, you know, having these little episodes of snow Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, Tuesday and then kind of it finally ended and tapered off as we went into Wednesday. But then it got cold again, and the east wind has been blowing the last couple of days. And so, you know, the big story in Portland was, okay, it looked like the south side of the metro and the west side of the metro where I live were kind of the big winners. And we got like two inches of snow here. The Portland airport got a tenth of an inch. And, you know, they, they, they won out in one of the earliest snowstorms, so I think we've all balanced it out. But when we looked at the European model, it said there was going to be this target line from basically 75 miles south of where I am into the southern Cascade foothills down past Eugene as you got toward, toward Roseburg. And, you know, we had talked on the show about 
the process of evaporative cooling where we had all this cold, dry air coming in and we needed the atmosphere to saturate and drop enough you know, moisture into it that would eventually allow all the snow to fall. Well, what we didn't realize is by the time all that air had already moderated and made its way, it was already pretty saturated. So as soon as the precip came in, it started as snow. So up here in the Portland area, once it started snowing, it didn't stop. And we didn't get a whole lot. I mean, we got a couple bands where it was pretty heavy, and we were maybe getting a half inch an hour in the heaviest bands. At least we ended up with just about two inches, so nothing to, nothing to scoff at. But it was enough snow that it made driving around kind of a pain in the butt. So when we looked at how you know everything shook out, it was really impressive. Down in the South Valley is where the big snow was. So the city of Eugene, where the University of Oregon is, a major metro area for the state of Oregon, they got a foot in downtown. Wow. And it, once it started snowing, it didn't stop for, I think they said like 31 hours. Wow. So just constant snow. And so, you know, they were the big winners. Uh, a friend of mine lives just southwest of Eugene and Cottage Grove, a little bit up higher in elevation, around 750 feet or so. His first snow dump was 18 inches. Jeez. And then had an additional like 6 to 12 inches on top of that when all was said and done. So Southern Oregon got pounded as you got up toward the southern end of the Willamette Valley. Got hammered up in the town of Oak Ridge, which is in the Cascades. It's where one of the passes is. Uh, an Amtrak train actually got stuck because heavy snow brought down a bunch of trees across a track. And so these passengers were on this train for about 36 hours. And, you know, the train served food as much as they could, but eventually they ran right. out. So you were responsible for basically at that point, you know, whatever snacks you brought, you used. Uh, one of the TV stations here, and you'll laugh at this, interviewed a woman via Skype who was on the train. And the one quote that they used, and again, this is such, this is a knock on, on my media folks, but I'm going to laugh because it's funny. We always find the juiciest, most gossipy, most, you know, <laughs> fun quote to use. And so they asked the woman on the train, how's everybody doing? And here was her quote. People are getting anxious and naughty. <laughs> and I'm like, hold up. And so I literally had to rewind it just to, to verify that's exactly what she said. And lo and behold, she said, yep, people are getting anxious and naughty. So she didn't, you know, and of course, they're not going to go in and explain what anxious and naughty means. But I mean, you've been stuck on a train for 36 hours. I'm sure you can put two and two together. Right. Right. Put more than two and two together, right. you know, and it's, <laughs> hey, you know what you got to do to stay warm and right. stay entertained. Right, so. exactly. <laughs> and the train had power and Wi-Fi, and so, you know, they were able to, you know, eventually get the trash cleared. And I think they bust some people out um, and put them on another train to continue their journey. But like I said, 183 people on board, and for 36 hours, apparently they had a giant party uh, in the Oregon Cascades while they were stuck in, in one place. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh. Party. Oh, it was fantastic. But, um, you know, and then we had a couple of the shots of snow, um, you know, nothing too bad. I think, you know, maybe a half inch to an inch in okay. some spots. But, man, the models actually did this run really well. Um, the high rapid refresh, I think, again, did really well. Um, but, man, it's that model is extremely tough to trust because it's running a full cycle every hour. And, you know, there are some websites that you can go to for free and you can pair run to run, which is great. But sometimes, man, it's just it's a it's a completely different solution hour to hour. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, like you said, that's what it is. It's model writing. And so oh, yeah. and that's why, because it can change from hour to hour based on temperature, moisture and all of that. So, 
Uh, it's winter weather is just one of the trickier ones. And we had a little snow over the weekend too, and it would like pick up and slow down. We had a dusting, like nothing significant at all, but it's, this has been the most active couple of months winter wise, in my opinion right. for us. So, yeah, as we closed out February in the state of Oregon, it's going to go down as one of the coldest on record, if not the coldest. I think they're still trying to tabulate where it falls, but I want to say it's definitely in the top two. So, you know, after having a pretty warm uh, December and January, February, just absolutely the bottom crashed out. And, you know, I'm thankful because I finally got snow here, but man, it's uh, it's cold. And as we get into March, it doesn't look like anything's going to change. So. No, and I'm like, so, you know, I know that one season does not indicate what the next Correct. season will be, but it's just, you know, if it's just so persistent and so intense, it just makes you wonder if spring is going to be the same, like persistent and intense. And I mean, yesterday's a prime example that maybe it is going to be a pretty intense um, right. spring. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter and I don't want to call out any specific weather organizations, sure. but they uh, predicted the number of tornadoes across the country for the spring. Oh, boy. What'd they say? It was something like like 1492 or 1179, something like that, like literally a thousand plus. Wow. And I'm just like. Yeah, I didn't we see that. Even predict when one is going to happen when there's an actual thunderstorm happening so how can you predict months out what the total is going to be i don't know stuff like that to me is just so i don't know if it's trying to get ratings or what and i really don't want to call out the organization because it's a pretty prominent organization but i it, yeah that's not i, I mean know. yeah it's not gosh you know yeah. you know you and i we we you know breathe eat and sleep you know weather and meteorology right Absolutely. And it is an imperfect science. We know that. And anybody that studies it knows that. And anybody that's involved with it knows that. Yeah. But if you're trying to predict the number of tornadoes, man, that's, yeah, that's ballsy is what that is. That's just, it's crazy, one. But two, like, you better have some really significant or really good data to back that up. Which, where do you get that? How do you get significant data to predict what an entire season's going to do? There, right. I mean... Uh, there's only one place that you can get that data from, and it's not a weather model. It's it's actual real time. Yeah, like I don't understand how. You, I mean, right. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not good, and that's not responsible. That's not a responsible forecast in my book. No, and it and to me, it's more of a a ratings thing and a you know attention getting type of thing. It's not anything realistic and so right. and it's stuff like that that makes the west rest of the weather community look silly no and, i agree you know i i would be interested to see what they're basing that off of though yeah you know because again you know gosh i mean you talk to anybody that deals with i mean gosh you know get in your car and drive down to ou and then pop over the National Weather Center, walk into NSSL, and be like, so how many of your uh, tornado warnings and watches actually verified last year? Yeah. And just watch them just their blood boil. <laughs> because you know what? It's not it's not the act of issuing or the act of alerting people. It's, you know, people like, oh, just another, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Oh, heaven forbid you interrupt my broadcast. 
Yeah. But, you know, well, we get tornado warnings all the time. They never verify. Well, it's not the point that they're supposed to verify. It's the fact that they believe that something could happen. Yeah. We're not here. We're not here to entertain you folks. We're here to keep you alive. And, and so, wouldn't you rather know or, you know, oh, yeah. be prepared for something to come and nothing happen than it just catch you by surprise and you're just sitting there watching golf and yep. get blown away? I mean. Yeah. Hey, turn on Twister. Again, there's a second reference in, in the podcast of the movie Twister. Fast forward to, I think, what, a, an hour 45 into it. You know, hey, yeah, I'm just sitting up here in Wakita and all of a sudden, boom, there was no warning. And look, my house is destroyed. I mean, and I, it's like, you know, and if you don't warn people, they're going to be mad. Exactly. If you warn them, they're going to be mad. So it's like, you know what? We're just going to do what we're going to do. And if you're mad about it, you're mad about it. Yep. Like Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Exactly. You can't win. But all right. So, Bonnie, what do you guys have coming up this week weather-wise in Oklahoma? Uh, you know, it's going to be cold again tomorrow. Ugh, and it's going to warm up a little bit. I think we have another shot of cold air coming um, later this week. And then, and then we'll see what happens from there. I'm pretty much, I'm over the shots of cold air from the Arctic. So the polar vortex, I'm done with it. I'm over it. I'm not impressed anymore. Let's move on. (laughs) PV makes a return and again, dropping temperatures, you know, sub, sub zero and significantly sub zero across, you know, the Northern Plains into the Great Lakes. And then eventually it makes its way, you know, uh, up into New England. Um, We're getting reinforced cold air here in the Northwest again. Um, everywhere east of the Cascades is super cold. The east wind has been blowing out of the gorge again. A lot of cold, dry air is filtering into Portland down the Willamette Valley. The Euro is insistent on another snow event late Tuesday night into Wednesday. Um, and so, again, now we just kind of wait to see if it verifies. Like, you know, right now we're taping this Monday afternoon. Temperature outside is 40 degrees. It's going to get down to like 21, 22 tonight. And the windshield will be in the single digits. Dew points are in the single digits. So now we just kind of wait to see what happens if the Euro's right. And, hey, we get a snowstorm. If the Euro's not right, well, really cold rain. And I don't know if I'm happy about that or sad about that. But, you know, if it happens, it happens. And I kind of hope this is our last shot because I'm, I'm ready for spring. I mean, it's March. Uh I'm ready for 55 degree weather, to be totally honest with you. I know it's cold for most of the country, but 55 to us is like 70. So we take it. No, that's the same around here. And when it starts finally getting into the 50s, it's like, okay, break out the shorts and flip flops because (laughs) it's just, it's such a swing from negative four degree wind chills. So, yes, definitely ready for the cold air to just, just stay where it belongs for a while. Yeah, send it back to Canada and say thank you. We will see you next winter. Exactly. It's Just, been great, but bye-bye. Yeah, give us give us six to seven months of nice, steady weather, and you can come back in November, and we'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. We'll be missing you around that time, but yeah, right now, exactly. Right. you've overstayed your welcome. <laughs> right? I want to be out on my boat, so. Yeah, exactly. Not ice fishing. No, definitely not ice fishing, no. <laughs> I'm ready to break out the bikinis, so let's get going on Yeah, <laughs> got to make it happen. Got to make it happen. Well, Bonnie, like I said, we're honored to kick off National Weather Podcast Month here on B-Squared. Um, looking forward to hearing the rest of the podcast. Again, you can check out all of us on weatherpodcastmonth.com. Uh, another fantastic episode of B-Squared. Bonnie, thank you so much. Absolutely. It was great. Always love doing this with you every uh, week. So much fun. So much fun. So this, is, again, is B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I'm Bobby in Oregon. 
And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next weekend. Bye.